0: It's time for another episode of Last Drinks, a podcast where we have conversations for the sober and the sober curious, hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Oh, hi, delightful human. It's another episode of Last Drinks. So my guest this week is Vanessa Gordon. She is a CEO She's the CEO and publisher of East End Taste magazine, which is a digital publication based in the Hamptons. Yes, that's right. The Hamptons. If you are a fan of Gossip Girl, you will know that all of the rich kids in New York have wealthy families with houses in the Hamptons. And that's where Vanessa lives. It's where she works. And it's where she had her last drink. It was really interesting chatting to Vanessa about the event that she was at where she had her last drink and something that I was not expecting from this chat was for Vanessa to read out verbatim the text message exchange between her and an individual that she had met on the night in question and it was really eye-opening to have those text messages read with a sober mind and to kind of unpack them and to really have a look at how that night could have ended very differently for Vanessa and her friend. So we're glad she's safe. And I'm so glad that she was bold enough to share openly a big part of that night and and what went on. If you want to find out more about Vanessa, you can go to her website, vanessapgordon.com Or check out her magazine, eastendtastemagazine.com. Enjoy this episode of Last Drinks. I'll catch you next week. I grew up watching Sex in the City thinking New York is the bee's knees and that we all had to drink Cosmopolitans to be classy and refined. And then I realised alcohol didn't work for me. Um, with that said, Vanessa, thank you for joining me to talk about your last drink. You do join me from the other side of the world. So I appreciate that we've managed to figure out this time difference. But could you talk to me about your last drink? What was that like? And what was it a Cosmopolitan in Manhattan? That would be quite interesting if it was.
1: And I will tell you, I remember actually doing a Sex in the City tour and one of the stops was to one of the local, I guess, perhaps not necessarily a speakeasy, but one of the bars that's featured on the show down um, in the, in the West village. And they gave us all cosmopolitans. And I'm not really a Right. Co- yeah. I wasn't really a cosmopolitan drinker at all, but ironically that cosmopolitan was so good. I recall. Um, <laughs> and they They did it. They, they crafted it so well. That was back in March of
0: 2022. Right. And was, wait, was that your last drink? The Cosmo? No, no, um. no that, that, no, that was, that was some
1: time ago, but no, I guess, interestingly, that was a month before, no, excuse me, two months before I had my first, I want to say significant hangover. So ironically, I didn't actually start drinking alcohol per se until I was in my mid to late twenties. I was twenty-six after my daughter was born. So I was late and starting. And I guess perhaps what was such a turnoff was in college, I would go to these parties and there would be perhaps what we call here in New York that solo cup crowd. And mm-hmm. it was just so trashy and tacky for lack of better terms at the moment. And I just didn't like how people behaved and I liked you know I'm, I'm very big on being in control of what I do and of my body especially at that time.
0: I spent a little bit of time at Wittenberg University. Um and so I can just explain like there is a really big drinking culture on campus where well, there was where where we went to college. And the solo cup um thing that you speak of is like these oversized red plastic cups that we would probably play like you know a foot cup game with or something. And my experience was that um, we would go like it was any day of the week, there would be a party at one of the houses, one of the fraternities, one of the sororities. And the idea was like you had your red solo cup and you would uh, you walk around campus with it upside down because then you're not traveling with booze. So if you have a red solo cup upside down, it means traveling to party and then you get to the party and then someone's doing a keg stand and then your cup gets filled up with beer from the keg and then you all carry on and go crazy and then you migrate to the next sort of house or frater- fraternity or sorority but that that culture um uh, was because you were in a bubble we were on quite a small campus i think compared to like the really big universities and colleges but it was so um like the way it worked there was like a microcosm of culture at this at this university and it's like everyone was so invested and it was all about getting wasted so i can absolutely i mean and i was the visiting honorary sorority girl member and and everyone just thought i was amazing because i had an accent and i my skin's a little different and you know like i was such a novelty so i had the best time at my college experience but i can completely understand how you could have a completely flipped version of what that looked like behavior-wise.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting, too, is I went to a smaller college for undergrad. I went to Manhattanville College in Purchase, New York, which is about a half hour north of New York City. And then for graduate school, which I went right into, I graduated early from undergrad, went right into NYU. But I was on the fast track to getting my master's degree in under a year and a half, and I just didn't wow. have time to party at the time. I just always just kept myself busy. I don't even know how I perhaps avoided it in undergrad. Once again, I think graduating early, keeping as busy as I can. And I perhaps still have those qualities to a certain degree today, constantly like workaholic, just keeping myself busy. But out here where I live, I live in the Hamptons on Long Island, which perhaps is known as being like the, the party you know, destination or summer destination for the rich and famous, if you will, uh, yes we know that
0: from gossip girl yeah. That's so i mean we talked about yeah. sex in the city earlier really yeah. shaping my cosmopolitan habit but um gossip girl is very like yes. that socialite elite new york thing hamptons everyone has a house in the hamptons and that's where you live that's
1: correct i live here full-time interestingly enough which is i will say unusual but unusual for that society that society crowd wow live here full-time I mean, well, not after the pandemic, a lot of people chose to live here full time, but anyway, I've been here for 12 plus years full time.
0: And so, uh, so you said after you became a mom, um, the drinking thing really sort of latched into your world. So what did that look like? Were you drinking daily with your mom friends or was it just a weekend thing? Like what, you know, how could you, I guess, explain your relationship with alcohol at that time? So this is quite fascinating. So like I said, I
1: didn't start drinking until later on in life, or late later than than usual. So, like when I was twenty one, I actually did not celebrate by drinking alcohol. Uh, I remember that very well. Um, the only time I would drink before I was twenty six was perhaps when I would go down to the Caribbean, which is right, you know, once in a blue moon, um, and have you know cocktail on the beach. But only because I think I was under, yeah, I was under twenty one, and it was legal per se uh,
0: yeah. down
1: there. Um, but again, you know, nothing to any extreme. But what Inter- and it's just—it's so fascinating that we bring this up because I just had lunch with someone, and we were talking about, um, you know, so you know, sober October and how, ne- you know, now and really always, if I'm with someone who does not drink, or for whatever reason it is, I have always not chosen not to drink in their presence, especially if right. they're a former addict, just out of respect. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I also made it a point that. That you know a few years ago or up until like recently this this past year, um I would also order a glass of wine or a drink if the person I was with was drinking in most circumstances um, unless oh. I was really tired or had to drive, et cetera but yeah i would um yeah, I would do that equally perhaps as a courtesy the most you know, there were certain pitfalls. I would say 2022 was a big year for me. That was the big wake up call in terms of just not drinking because what was happening was I was going out more, uh, traveling more, but especially going out more and socializing. But I would see, you know, how a lot of these women, I know they're looking for dates, boyfriends, or just lack of that, you know, hook up opportunities. And mm-hmm. I've been married for, I've been with my husband for almost, you know, more than 16 years. So I never, I met him when I was 18. So I never was in that circuit. Um, but I would still party and go hang out. And even this past year, I was really, you know, yes, partying a lot. Um, but I always knew to a certain extent my, my limit, but, or, or did I, um, mm-hmm. but thankfully every situation I was in, I was very lucky. I was always with someone. I was never alone or with people I didn't know or trust. Um, So right there, I mean, my biggest thing is I can't emphasize enough, always have a backup plan. Um, If you feel like you can't draw, you know, don't even, don't even try, don't, don't mess around because what I've seen, even just being sober this past summer uh, out here in the Hamptons would blow anyone's mind. I mean, even it's really what it comes down to is guilt by association. If people, there are people that I was with that I didn't even realize had cocaine on them. And until they reveal it, you know, after one in the morning and you're in the car with them and you're like, whoa, you know, that's, that's like, that's a big deal. Like, I didn't want to get caught with that. Um, yeah. yeah. It would wreck my reputation completely. But anyway, um, as far as specifically, there's one particular story that I'd love to share that I think is, you know, it's, it's a, it was a huge wake up call. I, so for work, so I own a media company called Ecent Taste. And with that company, I'm invited to a lot of events, media dinners, et cetera, et cetera. I was invited to one particular restaurant. Now out here where I live, the the service, the cell phone service, is spotty at best. There will be pockets, especially when you go out to an area called Montauk and the Nat Peak Stretch, which is just a straight, long stretch of road, you know, sand you know, beach on either side. There's no service there. So I would hate to break down per, per se or be in a situation where you need a phone. In addition, the So there's a particular restaurant that I was invited to that was popping up at a restaurant that was for sale. Now, that restaurant space, if you will, did not have active Wi-Fi. Okay. Um, and I always like to ask more in case of an emergency, you know, right when I arrived to a, a building, do you have Wi-Fi? That particular building did not. And I saw that I had no service. Now, you know, I was with a girlfriend of mine and naturally I you know didn't ra- you know raise any red flags at the time. Um, so we arrive uh it's a whole you know sushi omakase experience and it looks really it Amazing. was really nice, yeah. you know, very upscale, you know, sort of outdoors. But you know, who would who would think? But they asked me right away, do you want the sake pairing? I wasn't going to necessarily say no, and I should have said no, because I know sake is quite in my opinion, way more dangerous than than wine or any. It's very, very easy to drink. Very this was you know, the, the different types of sake we were drinking some sweet, you know, more, you know, not as sweet, dry, et cetera. But uh, at the rate they're pouring it. I mean, could you imagine it was a sake pairing with each course and omakase yeah. is a long seven to 17 um, late tasting experience. So that's oh, quite nice. a lot of sake.
0: Well, yeah. and, and sake is meant to be, I mean, I'm lucky that I've visited Japan a few times and it's meant to be, it's a sip, right? Like that's the idea is that it's meant, like that's the intention is that it's meant to, you have it in this tiny little kind of like curated cup. Like traditionally it's meant to just be sipped on. Uh, but I think the way we use it in the Western world is very, because our, our drinking behavior, like the way we drink and the amount that we drink, we get something in a small glass and we're like, well, it's a shot. And you, you know what I mean. So our whole attitude towards um, something like sake is probably a little bit mixed up in the first place. Let alone having seventeen courses and rounds, and that's just really intense.
1: <laughs> it, 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 it 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 was it it was. We I was drinking the sake like wine, and I was with my girlfriend who also got the sake pairing, and. You know, you don't think of it at the time and, you you know, you think that everyone's going to be responsible. You know, you're a professional, you're technically working. Uh, but no, things, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to events, functions, et cetera. It's everything but prof- professional in the end uh, yeah. to, you know, to a certain degree, I suppose. It came to a point where my, you know, everyone had left. And I don't know how I ended up speaking with the owner. We were hanging out with the chef and we were just all hanging out. But my friend and I were becoming ine- we were inebriated. My friend, I she the way she was talking, um, I knew that there was she was not in her right frame of mind. I also knew that there was something wrong. You know, I knew that I was beyond intoxicated, but I was mentally I was aware of what was going on, but that I had no control over it. Now, interestingly, the, the owner kept pouring. The sake continued, did not stop. Like my drink would be half full, continue pouring, continue pouring. And I realized what the intentions were. But then all of a sudden, my girlfriend goes to get up and she goes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home now. This is, we're talking now almost 1030, yeah, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, She was, she was, she drove both of us uh, from near where I live. She picked me up in town here. And I knew but interestingly, they were, they were pushing my my friend to leave. But they were saying, oh, let's call you an Uber. And I'm thinking, well, how could you have called me an Uber? Watch this. Mm. There was no cell phone service. No one had cell phone service. How would you have been able to call me an Uber? Their plan, I believe, was to drive me. But what were they going to do? Well, I'll read you the text messages. This is coming from the owner. He writes, uh he takes my head at some point while I was intoxicated, must have opened my phone somehow and texted as if it came from me. His name. Great to meet you, Dash Vanessa Gordon. I don't write like that. Then he writes, Where are you? And I wrote, We are okay, I'm uh, we are okay. I'm riding home with my friend, making sure she's okay. So what happened was when they went to the back end of the restaurant to call an Uber. I went out with my friend. I knew I could not let her drive alone. I didn't care that I was intoxicated. She was. T- I would have rather have gotten stopped by the police and been arrested than wow. to potentially have something ha- happen to her or happen to mm. me. And again, to, to lot,
0: these, like, yeah, that's a moral dilemma right
1: there. It gets so. And this is a way. I hope a wake up call to people. Like this can happen to you. Mm. This can. Ha- this can happen. These little. You never. You never know. And this is by so profession. You know. <laughs>
0: Are these text messages, so your assumption is, yeah, so this person took your, assuming, took your phone out of your bag and started a text message conversation to make it look like you had been texting them?
1: He looks like, I think my phone must have been open. I was out. He took my phone, put his number in, but he texted his name, as if i texted it to him it, so it's, yeah. it, it's sure. blue got it blue. okay yeah so i'm read it but i wouldn't write great to meet you dash vanessa gord i wouldn't write like that i would just say like hey okay. great meeting you the you know vanessa, sure. I wouldn't... yeah then he writes where are i'll let you know then i wrote i'll let you this is me physically writing actually i'll let you know yes maybe i'll let you know as soon as we are both home and then he writes oh my god you left lol and then I write, I couldn't leave her, but I swear I'm good. Then I, I'm a <laughs> He is like funny, but not. it's like terror. It's horrible. I mean, I'm like laughing almost to kind of calm my nerves here. And he writes, mm-hmm. well, still kind of early. Let me know if you want to grab a drink somewhere. I mean, no, really? <laughs> like you've got to be kidding mm-hmm. me. Then, and then I write, uh, well, we're already in the village of of Amagansett. Then he writes, sweet, I'm staying there. The blank hotel. I'm in that area anyway. Then I write, "Right, I know that hotel well. I'm already to my vehicle. I'll, I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you around. I'll see you around sometime." I'm trying to be polite at this point. Then he writes, "Rosie's Bar, one drink." And I write, "I seriously didn't want you to worry, and I will also text you when I'm home, and I'll let you know when." My friend is home. Then he writes, I'm leaving tomorrow night. Tonight is my last night here. Where's a good spot to grab a drink? And I write, well, if you want to go out on your own, you could tell, you could go to Stephen Talk House. My dad used to be one of the owners. And I happen to know a lot of the people there. So I was like, oh yeah, good. Go there. Have fun. And then he writes, oh shit. I mean, oh sweet. You gotta come? And I go, oh no, I'm beyond, I'm so embarrassed, another time. And then he writes, why? Why are you embarrassed? Let's go. One drink. I'm headed there now. Hope to see you. Vanessa? Question mark? Vanessa? I'm here. Hope you're hope you're coming by.
0: Done. I can't, I can't.
1: Yeah, that was my last drink. <laughs> that did it for me. That's a my, my girlfriend called me. She was like, I'm never doing that again. So neither am
0: I. I'm, I'm really glad that your last drink wasn't at Rosie's bar. <laughs> well, With I think
1: he, yeah. uh, It's too bad. He's got a, a girlfriend to, to her partner or t- two kids at home.
0: I mean, my it's just
1: like, come on now,
0: dude. Just... I mean, it's relentless and it's, it's full on, but he, he's, you know, I guess my takeaway from that is when you read those text messages out sober, you're like, why did I even entertain this? Like, where are my boundaries? It's a hard no. Why was I negotiating? Why was I compromising? Why was I feeling embarrassed? Like, All of these things come (coughs) to light and can really be articulated better when we're not inebriated with alcohol. But when you're in the drunken haze your thoughts and your emotions and everything's so confusing that we start to apologize. We start to feel bad and then we're like, oh my God, am I letting this person down? Maybe I should go. Oh, it's just one drink. And we can then tell ourselves a narrative that we are not supposed to be telling ourselves. And it's harder to really draw clear, healthy boundaries when, and I think that that conversation is. Very evident about how easy it can be to get sucked into somebody else 's plan when you are not in full control of of your thoughts, firstly predominantly and secondly you know your actions and your behavior um, so that's yeah really really eye opening and thank you for sharing that that's deeply personal and I, I really I do hope that that is a warning sign for some people who are like i 've got some." text message banter in my phone that's similar and maybe, maybe this is the line in the sand that I need, you know, to, to have a bit of a booze break or to, to pull up stumps. So, so, so after that night, you, you're like, right, I'm done for a bit. We're stopping for a while. I'm never drinking again. Like, what did that look like the next day for you when you'd kind of made that decision internally?
1: Absolutely. So that, that was a, if I recall correctly, that was a Monday night uh so thankfully i didn't have any events until later on now i wanted to be perhaps i wanted to first and foremost be responsible but also know that it wasn't going to take just that one time potentially to stop per se so in the mix of the summer depending upon the situation i i i kept it light if anything but this is what i i did now i don't i don't necessarily know if this was the right thing to do my girlfriend, we they would order tequila, tequila and soda with lime. I would say, oh, I, I would say something like just to be play. and this is perhaps maybe my personality, just me warming up to, you know, because it's interesting the culture here of people, you know, it's still a mixed bag in terms of how people are treated if they don't drink, ex, you know, et cetera, mm. et cetera. So I went out uh, Labor Day weekend here, which is the big major holiday week, the last hurrah, if you will. I remember going out to one of the the nightclubs here. And yeah, they were ordering tequila and soda with lime. So I would just say, Oh, you do you know what do you want one too? I'd say, Oh no, I'm not sure. I'm still looking at the menu and there really was no menu. I'm just still thinking about what I want. I say, you go, you go ahead, I'll meet you and you know, meet you in the in the next room. So then I would just say to the bar, oh, just just give a uh, seltzer and lime. Thinking that yeah. they would automatically think it was tequila and soda. So that's what I was doing. Uh, to mm-hmm. I don't want to say blend in, but just so I didn't get persuaded or get that peer pressure or being bugged about oh you gotta relax, i gotta relax. but what's interesting too is once i would order that and i was sipping it very you know ca- you know casually uh but at a more rapid pace especially because there was no alcohol in it um it was funny how the younger we met some young you know younger guys there that were in their early 20s and they would come oh you gotta loosen up they keep saying you gotta loosen up you gotta loosen up oh here have a beer and i'm like okay oh, I already got my drink. I'm good. So yeah, it's interesting how you know you get you know ten you know ten or more people around you really trying to push push it. And it still doesn't seem to to end. But um I don't like I said I don't know if I should have come out and said no I'm not drinking. But maybe they could have forced me more. But I'd rather have just kept it kind of on the down low.
0: I think Vanessa, I think one thing why I've why learned I'm from all of my conversations on this podcast is there is no right way there is just the way that you choose through and if you choose and you get through it then it's okay and then we can look back in hindsight and go you know what maybe maybe I could have come clean and been like hey uh, you know maybe I could have made a bit more of a stand but if you weren't comfortable owning that space at that point because you were just getting your head around your own sobriety or relationship with alcohol that's okay to give yourself a breather and to not have to out yourself when you are maybe not equipped to deal with that pushback and those confrontational conversations that ultimately there's usually one jerk at a bar that will try and make you feel bad and like pin some guilt on you because you're not partaking in the social culture of getting wasted, which is what we've all grown up doing um, and so if you weren't ready to to tackle that, that's fine. Go order your own water tell every like it it's okay to get yourself comfortable with where you're sitting before you let everybody else in on the journey and also you know it sounds to me very much like you're really hard working and you work you know work i think working in events and and that world like people pleasing is a part of who you are as a person, yep. and when you say that you're not drinking not. A lot of people are always pleased about that. And so I can understand that for you, that's going to cause a bit of disconnect, a bit of conflict. And then there's a whole other like social dynamic to navigate. Whereas, you know, temporarily or just in the early days or until you're comfortable, do you do you like it's your relationship with alcohol that you're reconciling. It's your brain cells that you're saving. It's your health that you're looking after. And if you are not ready to sing that from the rooftops today, that's cool, man. Like everyone, we don't always have to tell everyone everything all the time. It's okay to just keep things on the down low until you've almost built up that muscle and that confidence to then be like, I'm ready to say that I'm not drinking and here's my sober response that I can articulate really well and or you might just you know tone down the socializing at nightclubs thing because you get bored earlier when you're not drinking if you're surrounded by drunk people it's what I found in my experience so I think like well done to you for figuring out something that worked for you in those really early days which can be very tough when you don't want to feel like a social outcast you don't want to have to like quit your job and lose your career because all of a sudden you're not drinking you know the industries that we work in sometimes alcohol is a major major part of what we do but it doesn't mean you have to be a drinker to exist in those circles so uh my not that I'm wearing a physical hat but my metaphorical hat is off to you for coming to a realization after a bit of a wake-up call and then making a really great decision for you and your health I think I think the way you've managed it is absolutely fine. And my hope is that someone else will be like, oh, that's a great option. Maybe I'll tap into a little bit of that. So thank you for sharing your story.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. It's always a pleasure. I'm happy to help. And I'm hoping that my story resonates with others and, you know, they make the right, you know, right decisions for themselves going forward and perhaps not putting others you know, for that's, that's part of my people pleasing part of, you know, who I am in terms of, you know, running a media company, putting on events as I'm always out to please everyone else, but I perhaps put myself last. Um, And I think it's about time that I reverse that.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure you click follow so you don't miss an episode. New episodes are published every Monday. You can follow us on TikTok at last drinks, or catch up with me on Instagram at Maz Compton. Stay curious.